If you're new here, uh, my name is Dean. I'm one of the pastors here at True North. It's great to have you here. And uh, we're, we've been doing a series uh, called Rest for the Soul. And uh, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this whole idea of how do we find rest that goes beyond just physical rest, rest that transcends our circumstances and what's going on in life, and find what, what Jesus invites us to, this whole idea of rest for our soul. You know, this kind of idea that deep within the core of who we are, we can actually know this life-giving, refreshing rest in our souls. And so we've been unpacking that over a, a couple weeks, and, and today's going to be the last uh, message in this, uh, in this series. And what I want us to, to finish with today, what we're going to be looking at, is going to be a picture of what uh, rest for the soul looks like. Uh, what is, how do we picture this in some really just tangible, concrete kind of ways? And so to do that, uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, which is actually just this whole psalm that really is just a picture of rest. It's possibly the most famous psalm uh, that there is, uh, possibly one of the most famous pieces of poetry ever written, you could almost say. Uh, and it's a picture at its core of what it means to, to know rest. And, uh, and, and it's a picture of, of God as a shepherd. I, I think one, one thing I'm confident of is I think there are, are people here today that, that God does want to speak to you about this whole idea of allowing him to be your shepherd and, and, and to, to draw you close. You know, Amber shared that word. You know, we haven't talked about what we're going to be talking about today. She's, but she's sensing this idea, you know, God wanting us to know that he's a shepherd, that he's got us. And I can tell you, Psalm 23 is all about this shepherd heart of God and, and how he wants to hold each one of us. So this is a psalm you'll probably be familiar with. Uh, if you've been in church for a long time, you'll be very familiar with it. So it's not going to be some, kind of something you've never thought about before. Uh, but my hope and my prayer is you, you'll experience some of it tangibly, that God would just use some of these powerful words to really sink some things in your heart. Uh, you might not even normally go to church, but chances are you'll be familiar with this psalm. It's one of the, the, the two, you know, this Psalm 23, it's most often featured. Uh, we tend to hear it most frequently in, in funerals. And, and so it's one of these famous passages of Scripture. We tend to do 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings, and then Psalm 23 uh, in funerals. And you almost feel like you can't actually preach from these on a Sunday morning. I feel like, oh, I can't do Psalm 23, you know. That, that. But uh, I think there's actually so much in this Psalm that, that even, it's not about kind of discovering something new today, but about experiencing and picturing what rest looks like. And so, so we're going to be looking at this, Psalm, Psalm 23. Sometimes I think we, we, we actually use this psalm uh, in, in funerals a lot because it's such a picture of rest. And it's almost like we think, well, we won't really get to rest until, uh, until we die. And that's kind of a sad picture. And what, what actually is crazy is uh, this isn't talking about someday you could experience rest like this. It's saying, no, you could experience this now. And I think when we kind of put this off and, and say, no, rest is for someday, you know, it, it's a little bit like, um, have you ever had the experience of you live in a house and, and it comes time to move? Maybe you were renting or maybe you were selling. And so you you give the house like this incredible clean and you clean it so well. And then you're like, why didn't I ever do this? So I could have enjoyed my house in this incredibly clean, you know, format. Or you paint the walls. And you're like, now someone else will enjoy these paints. Why didn't I do this sooner? And I think this psalm is a little like that, that we don't want to get to the end of our lives and think, wait, I could have known this rest all along. 
I could have been living Psalm 23, not just having somebody read it after I was gone. So let's not waste, let's not waste Psalm 23. Does that sound good? Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, this is where this picture, rest for the soul, uh, here is, is where this picture is going to begin. It begins with this declaration and actually holding on to, in the core of our being, this idea that the Lord, the great God of the universe, is my shepherd. My shepherd. This is what I would say is, is it actually kind of a declaration of trust. And there's going to be two big words I'm going to leave with you today. And the first one is trust. Rest comes from trusting God. Trusting God. Not just the very first time when we decide to say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to follow him. But trusting God in the midst of life, as it happens not on Sundays, but Monday to Saturday. Trusting God. And that trust is pictured here as saying, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, here's the thing about trust and this picture of the Lord being our shepherd. Uh, To be able to declare and say, the Lord is my shepherd, we need to actually, in that is contained a couple different ideas. One is the idea that the Lord is a shepherd, that this is who God is. God is someone who cares for others. He's like a shepherd, uh, uh, someone who looks after, someone who's watching over. So we have to actually understand this is who God is. He's a shepherd. He's got a shepherd's heart. He wants to care for us. We have to be willing to say, not just this is what God is like, but the Lord is my shepherd, that this is for me. He's not just a shepherd. He's mine. We have to make this personal to ourselves. And the other thing we have to do if we're going to actually say the Lord is my shepherd is it is also an admission of, and this is where trust comes from, it's an admission of I am in need of a shepherd. It's an admission essentially that if he's a shepherd, who are we in this picture? We're the sheep. And for that very reason, many of us don't love the idea, uh, even if we're like, yeah, great words, but the reality of what it means to trust God is to say, I'm sheep. I'm a sheep. When we were in high school, my friends and I always had this phrase, one particular friend who would always do whatever the crowd was doing. And and whenever that kind of moment would happen, would be like, what are you doing? And he'd go, I'm sheep. (laughs) It was just this phrase, I'm sheep. And so uh, we'd be like, why why would you, I'm sheep. And you know what? It was an admission of, I just kind of going where the crowd's going. I'm like a sheep. This is what sheep are like. Do Do you realize to say, I'm a sheep, you know, we read it and we're like, yeah, Psalm 20, of course, I'm a sheep, no problem. Sheep are not the most attractive animal. They are not the most clever animal. I, I was at the royal show this week. I know this to be true. Uh, I-, I was at the royal show this week. You know, a lot of you go to the, the royal show over time. It means different things to different people, the royal show. Somebody like, oh, you're at the royal show. It's rides and it's show bags and all that. And we don't actually, you know, we're not even... Well, we just try and make sure Levi doesn't know that side exists of the royal show, our, our, our little son. But we don't tend to go out. For us, it's all about the animals. I mean, there's all these amazing animals you get to see. I, I got to say, my, my new favorite these last couple of years, without a doubt, there's no thrill quite like pig racing. Has anyone, have you seen pig racing? Raise your hand if you've seen it and uh, are willing to admit it. It's, uh, I, I got to tell you, if you've not seen it, you've not lived. It's, I'm talking literally literally. 
pigs galloping around a racetrack like horses. It's, it's a phenomenal experience. It, it culminates with high diving pigs. It's, you've never seen anything like it. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing. Please do not walk, run next year to see pig racing. But uh, apart from the pigs, one of the things you always see at the show are these sheep everywhere. And every time and every year, and, and, and if you're someone who reads the Bible, and anytime you find yourself on a farm, I don't know if you're like me, but you always look at the sheep and you just go, really, God? <laughs> All the things you want to picture us as sheep. That was it. And he's constantly in the Bible. Who are you? We're sheep. Like, God, why didn't you go, you know, you know, you're like my baby lions, and you're just little lions, and I need to look after you and take care of you, but you'll grow up to be big lions. You know, I'm like, yeah, I could be okay with I'm a baby lion. I'm a lion. In no, no, no. God's like, you're sheep. Yep. See those kind of dim-witted, dull, go with the crowd, skittish, afraid of everything. I, I mean, am I right? Sheep are like afraid of everything. You know, they are, they're just, if there's one word that describes them, it's got to be the word skittish. It's like anything goes near them. And he's just, you know, they've just, they, you know, and, and I just say, oh, I say, you know, this, this is, for that reason, we often, whether we kind of articulate it or not, we are hesitant as people to admit our incredible need of a shepherd. We always prefer the idea of, I am master of my destiny. I am the, the captain of my life. I am on a, a, I've got a destiny and I'm pursuing it and I'm, I'm, I'm going to take care. You know, and you know what? There's an element of who God's created us to be in that. I, I don't want to miss that, but there is an element God wants us to see that at our core, sometimes the way we end up living our lives is like sheep. We get scared off by a lot of things. We're, we're always a little uncertain of where to go. And most of all, the reality is we need a shepherd. And rest comes from knowing the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's actually a, there is, there is, even if we hesitate from it, there is something incredibly rest-giving about saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm trusting in him. Because when we do that, these are all the things that come with that. As we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I, whatever I need in life, I, I have no lack of it. Because he is my shepherd and he's a good shepherd, I, I lack nothing. I'm not missing anything. It says, and let's go back to verse 2. Bring those, those verses up. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down. This is what he does as a shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This is, this is what he does as a shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And, and when we just kind of trust him and say, the Lord is my shepherd, this is what he wants to do is he wants to take us to these kind of places of abundance and refreshment in life. That he wants to take us to places that have green pasture. You know, where, where David would have written this in Israel, you know, green pastures. It's not like green pastures were just to be found anywhere. This is the Middle East. This is Israel. And what he says is, the Lord is my shepherd. He knows where the green pastures are to be found. Those places where you can go out and there's plenty of grass and plenty to eat and plenty to, to be found and, and abundant, everything that you need to sustain your life. He's, David says, the Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down in those green places. He leads me beside quiet waters. Wouldn't you love to be able to just, that, that you could say of your life, this is what my life is like now. The Lord is my shepherd. And he leads me to green places. And he takes me beside quiet waters. He helps me find these things that are refreshing my soul. 
It says he guides me, the second part of verse 3, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You know, there is a, a rest to be found in living your life from the perspective of uh, the Lord, my shepherd, actually guides me along the right paths. He, because if he guides me, then guess what? Every one of us in this room today, no matter where we find ourselves, we can say, if the Lord guides us, then right now he's guiding my paths. You know, I think sometimes the, the sheep don't always have a real sense of exactly where they're going, but they kind of keep moving with the shepherd. And, and this reminds us that, you know what, in your life, you may not be certain exactly of, of even kind of where you are, exactly what's going on, what's happening. But you know what? You can take rest. You can take peace in knowing this. He's guiding you. He's guiding you along the right paths. He knows what you need. He knows it better than you do. And he's guiding you along the right paths for his name's sake. You want to know a rest-giving thought? That God guiding your path God leading you to the right places, doing all these things a shepherd does. He does it, why? For his name's sake. He does it, why? Not because you deserved it. Not because you're, you know, doing everything right now. Not because you believed all the right things and ticked all the right boxes. He does it for his name's sake. He does it because it's who he is. He does it because God is a shepherd. God is a loving father. God is someone who cares for his people. And so he does all these things. I take so much rest and consolation in the idea that even when I'm running the wrong direction or distracted and moving in a different direction or I'm, I may have walked a little bit off the path, I take so much peace and rest in knowing, you know what, he's guiding my path. He's going to shape it. He's going he's gonna to have some, some boundaries that are always going to keep me within what he desires for my life. And even when I'm not sure how to get where he wants me, he's going to guide my paths and get me there. That's rest giving because it doesn't all depend on you. And the more you think it depends on you, the, more, the less rest you experience in your life. So he does all these things for his namesake. These are all about trust. This picture of the Lord as shepherd, it's about trust. Do we, do we trust him? Do we trust him with our lives? Do we trust he'll take us to the right places? Do we trust that we can follow him wherever he leads? Do we trust that no matter what's going on in our life, he's directing our path? The second part of trust, so there's this idea in this trust of getting, I think, to the right places. And there's another idea on this whole idea of trust where David says this in verse 4, even though, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this picture because now we realize that trust, the reason it's kind of rest-giving is because it, it means we don't have to live in fear anymore. And so David's able to declare this. The psalmist can say, I, even if I'm walking in the darkest valley, and this is still in this kind of sheep metaphor and this shepherd metaphor, and, and, and in this region where, where uh, he's kind of got in mind, there would have been different canyons and ravines and, and spaces where, where, you know, you could have been wandering. One of the places you could have taken a sheep in kind of the dry, dusty areas to find some grass and some water. In some of these canyons, 
uh, that would be in these rocky places, you would have some of these canyons, these ravines were called wadis. And a wadi is, was a ravine where uh, it might be dry in the summertime, but when the rains come and it's rainy season or when a flood comes and, and heavy rains, all the water would rush through there. So some of these canyons would end up even in dry and dusty places with these green pastures. And, and it's one of the things David's saying, he knows how to help me find these green pastures and all these spaces. But some of these canyons as well, because they're such deep ravines, some of them are like these dark, dark valleys where the sun doesn't even able to shine down into the bottom of those places. And in some of those dark, dark valleys and some of these dark, dark ravines, there'd be wild animals and, and all these animals that could come and attack sheep. There's all these sources of danger. But the David's picture is, you know what? No matter where I am, even if I'm in a dark valley and there's wild animals, I will fear nothing. I will fear no evil thing happening to me. No matter what the circumstances of my life, I will not fear. Why? Because God is with me. And when God is with me, I can be in dark places. I can be in dangerous places. And I fear no evil because God is right there with me. And he pictures it. He says, this is your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Where does the comfort from? From the idea that there will never be a dark valley? From the idea there will never be no animals? No. He says, what comforts me is his rod and his staff. It's his absolute protection the rod representing what a shepherd would use to, to beat back a wild animal at times, the staff with its hook on the end that could grab a sheep out of a moment of danger and put it where it needs to be. David says, this is why I have no fear. This is why I'm experiencing rest in my soul. I have no fear, no matter what's going on around me, because God is with me even in the dark valleys. God's with me even when there's danger. I trust his rod. I trust his staff. They, they, I get a lot of comfort knowing the Lord has my back no matter what I'm walking through. Trust. Rest comes from trust. Rest comes from trust. Deep in the heart, not just head knowledge, daily trust. This is who he is. No matter what, I can trust in him. There's a second picture that comes in verse 5. And here in Psalm 23, now the picture is going to shift a little bit from a shepherd. And God is actually going to begin to take the role of a host. And it says this in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You see, here is going to be our, our, our second idea. The second picture you see, uh, David, where, where this incredible psalm of rest is coming from. He says, this is who God is as well. God is like this incredible host. And you know what he does? He prepares a table before me. Now, to sit in a table in their culture was incredibly significant. It was, def it was this incredible sign of welcome, this incredible sign of hospitality, this incredible sign of intimacy and relationship. And to actually be seated around the table together was to be an incredibly deep and, 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 and meaningful connection with another person. And, and what David's saying is this is, what, this is where all David's rest comes from as well is because of his trust in God and because of his reality of experiencing the presence of God in his life. You know, he says, you prepare a table before me. You sit down. God, you are 
And God, you're the host. You know, you're the one looking after me here. And you prepare this table, even in the presence of my enemies, even with bad things lurking about all around. Even if there is bad out there, I know that when I am in God's presence, that is a place of rest. And God actually prepares the table and invites us. Can I tell you this, this second idea and that I just think, you know, for us to, to lean into, to press into today is just, again, this whole idea of, you know where rest comes from? It comes from being in God's presence. David understood God not as a distant person, not as a theoretical idea. He understood God as like a host who's preparing a table who has good things to share with him. And he says, you, you anoint my head with oil like a good host. There's just this anointing and, 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 and just that, that he would look after him and, and bring refreshment and things that bring refreshment into his life. You anoint my head with oil. He knew God as this magnificent host in whose presence, I mean, do you ever have someone who has a, a home that you just love to go to? David talks here about this whole idea of his cup overflows. You ever go to someone's house and, and they just, you know, you, you can, from the moment you come in, they're like, hey, let me, let me get you, you know, do you, want a, do you want a cold drink? Do you want a hot drink? Do you want a, a cup of coffee, you know? And, and, and it's like no matter how long you're there, they're constantly keeping your cup just topped up, you know? And, and, and that, that's a good house to go to, isn't it? If you make good coffee and you like to do that kind of thing, I'm free sometimes and would love to come by. You know, and I'll feel deeply connected, you know. And it, but you, we love that. We love when you go to someone's house and he's like, this is what God's like. He just keeps my cup just overflowing. He's just looking after me. He's bringing goodness and abundance into my life. David, he felt that to be in God's presence was like being seated around the table and just being so well taken care of. Do we... Do we experience this in our lives? Because rest, I don't think, will come to us if we do not experience. The rest that David experienced will not come to us if we do not experience some of what David experienced. David experienced God as a shepherd. I trust him no matter what. David felt that to come into God's presence was like to come into this place where he was just being so well taken care of, looked after. God, this incredible host. And David would draw into his presence Rest comes from, from trusting God, and rest comes from entering in and experiencing the presence of God. We have Sunday mornings are a great moment when we gather in a space like this or, or Sunday nights or whenever we gather together and we sing and praise. And it's an amazing thing because we sense the presence of God in a way that, that we don't always throughout the week. This is one of the, the special things about gathering as a body of Christ. There is a sense of God's presence amongst us. And when you're in that, you know, people often will, will sort of share to me, you know, oh, and it's like it just gives me something to go out in my week, you know. And it, it does because when you come into God's presence, it's like he kind of fills you up and, and pours into your cup. And when you're in his presence, you can't help but leave without now hopefully having a cup that's flowing a little bit more. But can I tell you, this is one space, but really what God desires is not just that space when we're in a crowd, but he desires that table that's set just for you and him. He desires that, that, you're spent, that this week, you know, in your mornings or your nights or your afternoons or a long lunch, there are times when you say, Lord, let's sit down at the table together. That you do more than just, you know, uh, read your Bible or just do something that was like, I, I just should do this, but you say, no, actually, as I read 
your word. I am sitting in your presence. And, and I am entering in, and there are good things for me here. And God, I'm going to trust that as I set this time aside, and maybe I'm just silent, or maybe I'm reading your word, but I'm in your presence. You're going to pour, you're going to pour anointing over me. My cup's going to overflow. And as those things happen out of his presence, that's where we find rest, rest for our souls. This is what David was experiencing. And the great thing is, here's what it leaves him with. It leaves him with a bedrock confidence, a bedrock trust of what he can look forward to. He says this in verse 6. Surely, surely, his confidence, surely, this is what David lived with. And David lived with this idea. Surely, this is what will happen. Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. David just felt this sense of surely, no matter what comes, no matter what valleys, no matter what wild animals, I will live in this place of trust because God is my shepherd and I know this through my experiences in his presence. Surely his goodness and love is going to follow me all the days of my life. That is a statement of rest. That is a statement of no more striving. That is a statement of I'm not worried what's coming my way. That is a statement of surely I know what will come my way. The goodness and love of God is going to follow me all the days of my life. And he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is what he looked forward to, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He says, that's where I'm going to dwell. You know, even when in, in their culture to bring someone into your home and to set a table and to pour them a cup, all those things were hospitality and you could come in and a, and a guest would refresh you while you were out in their, in their home or in their tent out in the desert. They would refresh you. But there was always a, a, you know, a cultural expectation as we would have as well today that there's a certain point at which you must now go. There's a certain point at which it's time to leave that house. But what David says is it's not like that with the Lord. I will dwell in his house forever. And I think he probably understood this is both in, in this life, I'm going to dwell in his house. I'm not just coming and going with God. I'm going to dwell in his house. But I think he also probably understood this as this was his forward picture of this is what life is all about is one day I will dwell in his house forever. There'll be no more coming in and going out. I will dwell there forever. That's what life was about to him. That's how he oriented himself in life. This psalm is this incredible picture of rest. And it's the picture of a person who knows what rest is. And my hope and prayer for you and, and for all of our church, or if you're new here as you come in, is that you would know a life of rest. That actually our lives, because what this psalm is, as I mentioned, you know, it's not like none of us have ever heard this, none of us have ever read this. We probably... Many of us in this room would have heard countless messages about this. The challenge is not in understanding it. This is about how do we actually live this and make this a reality in our lives? How do we let these words go from being just words we read about David, but actually declarations of our present experience of life? Wouldn't you love to be able to go, when I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I'm not just reading David's words. Those are now my words. That's now my experience. That he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Those aren't just words for David. That's how I experience God. That is the, the truth and reality of my life. I want to encourage you that if you want to know rest and rest for your soul, this psalm 
is a great place to spend some time dwelling, to actually just get into it, to read it, to chew on it, to let it just kick around your, your mind all day, that this week or maybe through the rest of your soul series, this has resonated with you and you're trying, you're seeking God for this rest. This psalm is a great place to go and to just read it. And as you read it, make it a declaration of God, make this a reality in my life. That we speak these things out and as we do, we allow them to make them more and more a part of our life. Rest for the soul. It, it comes from this deep, deep trust in who God is. And it comes from this regular drawing into his presence. And it produces in us this confidence, this peace in life. Surely his goodness and love, they'll follow me all the days of my life. I may not know what's ahead, but I know what's coming behind. And it's his goodness and his love. This is what he wants for us.